Hi, and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. My name is Sherry, and I have been through various ups and downs over my time in sobriety. The one thing I love about my journey is that it's brought me to you and helping others in sobriety. If you are listening to this, then you are either wanting to start your journey or currently active in recovery and just want to hear other people's experience, strength, and hope. Either way, we are here for you, and we are the community to help you through whatever part of your journey you are on. We have something for everyone. Now, let's get started on today's journey. What's up? It's Sherry. Happy Wednesday. I am here with my friend Tyler. Tyler, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Tyler is going to be talking to us today about his experience, strength, and hope. Um, Tyler and I have gotten to know each other over TikTok. All of you know that I am a huge social media person, and I recently started watching TikTok because someone told me that the videos were really funny, and I landed on a couple of FYPs, and I managed to find Tyler, and when I found him, he was wearing a U of M hoodie, so I was kind of excited. That was awesome, and then after about a month or two of watching him, he made a video about his um, addiction, and I went, what? We're putting that on TikTok was so cool. So, um, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, we'll just see what happens with this conversation. Sure, sounds good. Um, well, grew up uh, so thirty-four years old, um, adopted from Korea uh, by my parents, Jim and Kathy. I grew up in Edina. Try not to oh, judge me for Edina that. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up in, in land of cake. Yep. Yep. Which we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, I have one sister who is also adopted from Korea. Most probably frequently asked question I get is, are you actually brother and sister? Not by blood, but we did grow up together. Okay. So, um, yeah, funny story is the agency that my parents used, I actually ended up working for Children's Home Society as part of the larger organization that I currently work for now. So it's kind of funny how things come full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yep. Grew up in Edina, uh, went through school system there, ended up, uh, graduating and going out to university of Denver for a few years. Oh, lived out in Denver for about three and a half years. Absolutely loved every minute of it. Loved it a little too much. Um, okay. We'll get to Before that. Before everything was legal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then, yeah, my journey, um, as where this all kind of starts, brought me back home to Minnesota and went through treatment and stuff there and refound my roots here and been here ever since. Awesome. So are yeah. you a fan of the U of M or did you go to school there as well? No, I went to, so I went to Denver and then when I had to finish up school, I came back here and I went to Augsburg. So right across the street from the U. <laughs> okay. I mean I got to stare at it from across the street. 
<laughs> you got to covet everything. That yes, yes. <laughs> like a good football program. Pretty much. Oh, yep. that's hilarious. Okay, so what did you major in in college? Uh, communications. Yeah. Well, that definitely shows because you are far better at communicating than I ever could be. Well, um, I, you know, I when I was in school, it was that whole conundrum of what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And that's a big question. Huge. Um, so I just kind of started taking random classes and kept taking the ones that I liked. And about junior year, I realized, well, I guess I'm a communications major since that's all the classes that I've taken. Don't know really what I'm supposed to do with that but I'll figure it out. And don't you feel like that that pressure is something that is so oh, I try not to do it to my son. I really don't, mm-hmm. but that futuristic you have to have a plan is yeah. so so stressful because now not only are you letting your your college down, your parents down, yourself down mm-hmm. like it's like it's I'm not ready for Trevin to go to college, like, because he needs to know how important it is so he doesn't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've learned uh, when it's time for the girls to make that decision, like, there's, it's not going to be, you know, when I was growing up, it very much was this idea of, and, and again, it kind of was that Adana culture a little bit, a lot of it, that, <laughs> you know, you graduate high school and then it's off to college. And so my senior year, most free, you know, everybody that I would see first question was, what are you doing next year? Where are you going? Yep. So where, where are you going? going? Where are you going yep. to college? Um, and I knew people that said like, I'm not like, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to figure out what I want to do. And that was a really like strange thing to a yeah. lot of people. Cause you're never um, going back to college again. If you do that. No. Cause that window closes. Yeah. So at 18, 19, and 20, you got to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. For the next 62 years, according to Social Security. You don't know how the world works, let alone what you want to do in it. So, yep. It's a lot of pressure. You're right. It is a lot of pressure. So, do you feel um, that your journey starting out in high school is where you started having trouble? Or was it not until you got, for me, it was. I felt that trouble. I felt that pressure in high school and I was introduced to alcohol um, by my parents, by my father Mm -hmm. um, and marijuana by my brother. And that was in high school, but it was college for me when Mm. I figured out that freedom, you know, go find, let's talk about finding who we are. We're finding who we are in college, right? At 18, 19 years old. And when you have no (laughs) clue who you are and you grew up in this beautiful little bubble. Yep. Bubble. And it pops. <laughs> I'm curious. I would like to know how your bubble popped. Yeah, it was, uh, it happened quickly and very dramatically and abruptly. I, I would say that it actually, so for me, it actually, and it kind of comes back to the the adopted as well as kind of the where I ended up landing. And don't get me wrong. I am beyond blessed and forever grateful. I love my parents. I wouldn't trade them for the world. And beyond thankful for the opportunities that they gave us growing up that all things considered, I probably wouldn't have had if other things had gone differently. So, And for those who don't know or haven't seen Tyler on TikTok, you guys, when he says he loves family, like I'm trying I not do. to tear up. He loves his family. His dad is his best friend. 
and yeah. it's Schultz. It's it's so adorable. And I understand that he has those feelings, but if you ever see Tyler around his family, that is the most genuine thing, honestly, that he that I know of him. Yeah, my dad, you're right. He is he's my best friend. Um my mom, if I if you were in a situation where I had one phone call to make, it yeah. I mean, I'm 34 years old, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm still calling my mom or my dad because yeah. I know that they're the people that I probably trust most in this world, and I know that they would show up no matter what that looks like. So it is what it is. Exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. But it, it did start so really early for me. It actually was like elementary school. Oh. So I know. So hear me out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What happened was, I don't know if other people had this, but we, we had this thing where it was like, bring your, bring your parent to work or to school day. Yep. Um, and I remember it was probably fifth grade. So, you know, 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the room and looking around the classroom and thinking, I look nothing like my parents. And I had always known, like, my parents had always been up front, like, you and your sister are adopted, kind of here's what our journey was to wind up with you guys, with us. Um, but I had never really, it had never, the light bulb had never really turned on, like, all the way, right? Yeah. So I remember sitting there and looking around and, and thinking, like, something is very different here. And now, <laughs> like, I the light bulb went on. One of these things um, is not like the other. Exactly. Um, and I was, I remember being very just like confused by it. Um, and that really, you know, at age 10 was really kind of the start of just that confusion. Um, from about 10 to 14 spent a lot of, you know, that really led me down a road of, I was confused. I was angry like kind of then hit those adolescent years and and the kind of defiance kicked in like it really there were a lot of rough years um that now in hindsight when i look back kind of all makes sense why things went the way they did um but at the time being you know 15 just really confused um, absolutely led me down a path that had friends they, and I still consider them friends, but we all had one thing in common and that we had really big questions about ourselves and about life that we didn't know who to turn to. We didn't know how to find those. We didn't even know what questions to ask. Um, were but these we were other all, Korean adopted American friends? Or a, were few these, or, a few or of them. Were they just yeah. some also just transient friends who also were figuring themselves out? Yeah, a little bit of a little combination of all of that. And I think we all were just lost and angry and confused and, you know, yeah, just led to a few years of just complete and utter rebellion from anything that was told to us to be you know decent and expected and the norm it's like oh, oh screw edina your norm children. watch this <laughs> yep pretty much yeah oh edina does it this way we're gonna go this way um <laughs> and that's what i did you know so it's you know by the time i hit 14 13 14 15 it was 
riding around with older kids smoking cigarettes in cars, drinking beer and smoking weed. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it was it was game Stirred. on by the time I was 16. Um, and then you go off to college where there's no oversight and it really um, took off and escalated kind of from there. So that's really where it peaked was, was out in those Denver years, which is why it ultimately brought me back to Minnesota. So but. what, what you said you didn't finish college in Denver, obviously mm-hmm. I didn't finish college. Um, I had a full ride with my mom, not, not, my mom was going to pay for all my college, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. have any student debt. Um, I really kind of ended up having to uh, realize through hardships that because of what I did, I was no longer going to be able to rely on my mom. So what happened in college? I know, okay. obviously, you yeah. totally went hog wild, but where... Yeah. What was the addiction elk where what was the problem the substance problem that brought you back home? Yep. So the um joined a fraternity. Oh shit. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> Never mind. So We're good, I'm, you said I, it all. <laughs> I, I am an SAE. Um so uh that yeah. Uh but it really so it really peaked where um was living in a house, you know, just drinking a lot, just daily, heavily. A lot of other drugs mixed in. And then uh, managed to somehow find myself acquainted with a guy who lived in the neighborhood. Wasn't a student, uh, but was rather a um, Coke dealer. (laughs) They're for the students. Therefore, for the students. Yeah. And somehow, yeah. And then somehow managed to find myself being uh, said driver for this gentleman. Uh, So lots of adventures with him. Uh, So, yeah. And then, um, yeah. And, And it didn't. So the. Funny thing is what, well, it's not really funny. It is now that I look back. (laughs) Right. But I was, you know, barely treading water out in Denver, like barely, Um, but enough to keep, to be there still. Um, But I came pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's some legal stuff thrown in there that, uh, don't know that I'm necessarily at liberty to talk about very much, but um, there was that. And then I, I was home for my sister's high school graduation. My sister is two, two years younger than me. Okay. So I was home for my sister's um, graduation and ended up getting completely blackout drunk. And all I remember from that night is um driving and winding up somehow at the airport <gasps> from Edina. Oh my god. I winded up at the airport. Um and then my phone died. And that was back in the day that phones we didn't have, you know, 
not many what people had smartphones dead. with GPS. Yeah, it was one of those like brick Nokia phones that, yep. yeah, and, and once it's gone, it's gone. So didn't know how to get home. And I remember uh, walking into like a gas station and like trying to buy a cell phone charger, you know, for the car. Obviously couldn't figure out like which one I needed or, or any. It's a miracle that that gas station person didn't just like tackle me and call the cops. I don't know how they didn't. Um, oh my God. But yeah, eventually somehow ended up back at home. And then the next day, uh, and those are really kind of the only memories I have. Next day, waking up to my dad, kicking my bed, being like, what did you do? And I went outside with him and the car, the whole like front end and side was completely like smashed up, just, just destroyed. It's a miracle that it even drove home. And you didn't um, get pulled over? And I didn't get pulled over. And I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> I mean, it was a Holy miracle shit. in and of itself uh, that I even made it safely home and that no one got hurt in the process oh my god yeah come to find out later that uh a buddy of mine i apparently uh made an appearance over at calhoun and you know lake calhoun around the lake is a very narrow one-way street yep well i was going the wrong way <gasps> doing about 60 oh my the god. wrong way smashing into every parked car along the way Hopped a median, and then that's when I took off and ended up at the airport. I have had zero memory of that. Oh, my God. So, um, next step from there was, well, you're not going back to Denver. <laughs> and uh, your next stop is uh, rehab. So, that was it. Like your So, that was it. Like, that was it. They had already knew between between all the legal stuff that had happened out there, and they weren't like they're not stupid. Like they knew something was going on. They didn't know exactly what. But you know, when I came home and was you know 110 pounds soaking wet and looked like I hadn't slept in days, and you know just looked terrible, and then that I mean it was like okay, enough is enough. So um, into treatment I went and. Never really left Minnesota after that. So in treatment, <laughs> did you go willingly? Did you did you understand oh, yeah. what your parents were saying? So, <laughs> yes, okay. but there was it was under the pretense of you're gonna go um, to treatment. I went to Hazelden up in Plymouth. Oh, you're gonna go to treatment, and then if you finish treatment, then we can talk about you going back to Denver. That's so, brave. That's willing, very brave. Yeah, so I don't know if willing necessarily. I mean, sure. Right. But it, it all was with the end game of this is what I got to do to get back there. Right. If I can just learn how to drink, learn how to party, yeah. learn how to behave, yeah. then I can go do what I want to yeah. do. I can twiddle my thumbs and say the right things and, you know, talk the talk for 28 days and then I'm out. So, um yeah. Yep. yep. Midway. And then so what I didn't know um, and was probably the biggest turning point, um, what I didn't realize was that toward your end of stay in treatment, the counselors provide an aftercare recommendation. 
I had never been I had never been to treatment, so I didn't know that. I thought I've it was never just, been either, so this is right. new for me. Yeah. I thought you just went in and and then you did whatever time you signed up for and then you left. Right. No, they they provide aftercare recommendations. Um, at least Hazelden does. And my aftercare recommendation was to do an additional inpatient 90 days at their extended care wing, which was still the same building, uh, which needless, uh, you know, I was shockingly not too happy about. But parents said, yep, sign them up. <laughs> what? All right. Yep. Yep. Oh. Um, I actually ended up saying, screw this. And I hitched a ride out of there because I was I was 21 at that point. Like I wasn't a minor. Um, I signed myself out. I was like, I'm not doing your 90 days. Signed myself out, found a way to get back to Edina. And I'll always remember this moment. And I'm so thankful. The greatest gift my my parents and I know that especially for my dad was the hardest thing he's ever had to do when I showed up at their house at like 11 o'clock at night, you know, and they thought I was still there. Um, they said, you're not welcome here. Oh. You didn't want to stay. You don't have to stay, but you're not coming home. Oh, God. Yep. And was obviously very pissed about that at right. you know, the middle of the night. But um, they held their ground. And I ended up kind of calling a, a good friend of mine who we've been best friends since kindergarten. We're still best friends to this day. Um, and he kind of met me somewhere and he's, he's the, he's the only person that probably in this world that could have convinced me. And he did that. You need to go back. Um, he's the only person that I probably would have listened to and not gotten like really angry at. So thankfully he answered when I called. Um, I'm sure seeing me calling at midnight was already kind of a dead giveaway that something was up. So, wow. uh, he drove me back. I went back, um, ended up doing another 90 and that really was a turning point. The, those additional 90 days made all the difference in the world. Um, yeah, I mean the treatment experience itself is, is a whole, topic that we could spend a lot of time talking about so. i'd i'd personally love it because when i got sober my spouse at the time because of my erratic behavior and my infidelity and things like that sure. his response was well maybe if you go into treatment i'll disappear with our son and fuck around on you like you did on right. me so my thought is holy shit i can't go in here I can't lose my son. I can't lose my head. Like, so I did 90 and 90 in the rooms, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which definitely works. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. Um, yep. I think it's also a little bit difficult though, because you're able to go home. Mm -hmm. And when you constantly are putting yourself back into a toxic environment, mm -hmm. it works but there's no roadmap at that time. And my first two sponsors, um, the first one tried to borrow money from me all the time. <laughs> and I didn't realize, cause I was so young in sobriety. I'm like, well, Oh, yeah. you just want to be my friend. Yeah. And yeah. the next one was just as narcissistic and controlling as my spouse at the time. So I, um, so. I really, 
took a chance. So for me, sobriety didn't take hold until probably eight years, nine years, and mm-hmm. I'm an 11 years sober, but I didn't start working yeah. the steps yeah. because I was going to meetings. I was, you know, doing my reading, yep. the plug in the jug. So I was fine, which you're not fine um, <laughs> <laughs> at all. So a part of me yep. kind of wishes I would have had that experience in rehab because I feel like it's a little bit more consistent, right? Like you detox, you go, because I was detoxing for three weeks and it's, I, I swear to God, like as much as I want to numb the pain, sometimes I never want to be hung over again or Mm. detox. No. And it's a disease of progression. And I don't know if I would, I don't know what would happen uh to be honest and i don't want to know so for me finally getting my sponsor and doing the steps was really important to me and Mm -hmm. i did mine through celebrate recovery which i don't knock that's fine i am more of an aa person Mm -hmm. i prefer aa than i do a faith-based program but there is obviously it's a spiritual program. So my faith and my sobriety go together, but they're also separate. So what did, we've obviously looked at how powerlessness and unmanageable you absolutely (laughs) were, but what the acceptance and believing in a higher power in the program, what was your higher power? Did you have a higher power or was it the program? Is it the program? You know, so I, growing up, I, we went to church and, you know, I was, um, baptized and confirmed and, and so, but, um, for me, it, it was not God, the religious God, um, for a lot of people it is. And, you know, I, I realized, um, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that anybody and everybody who, who really wants a life in recovery and not just sobriety, but recovery, like, yes, active recovery, active recovery, the, the destination may be the same or very similar. Yeah. The, what we want to get out of it. Yes. But there's, there's an infinite number of paths to take to get there. And, it, it does the one thing in recovery that still to this day really kind of irks me <laughs> <laughs> is, is when I, I am talking to someone who is hellbent that their way is the only way or the right way or in a meeting that if you don't follow this path, you won't succeed. Or if you don't do things in this order, or if you don't, you know, like it's our way or the like right i personally don't believe i think that everyone's program looks different you know i know oh, that yeah. nowadays the the um like when i went through treatment the notion of you can be sober but still um smoke weed you can still be sober you can yes. still consider yourself in sobriety as long as you're not using your drug of choice that does not make sense that wasn't a thing when I went through, you know. No, it was 
no, so I all am or nothing clean from everything. Deal. So now with that said, like I don't personally subscribe to that philosophy because I know that that wouldn't work for me. And I know that from experience because it's my addictive personality. Correct. Because like I've had relapses. Oh, I've had have. slips. I have. Okay. Okay. So I know that like, look, I went into treatment for alcohol and cocaine and, and marijuana. Okay. When I relapsed, it was on, on benzos. Oh, sure. I had never touched it. You know, I had never touched that stuff when I was like using it ever. See, and I was the pills girl. I never yeah. injected or snorted anything. I was the pills, yeah. acid, alcohol, yeah, I mean, marijuana I was, person. Yeah. I, I very much out in Denver, I was the, the mindset of, um, I wish that I was in, I was born in the wrong era. I belonged in like the late sixties. Oh, okay. Right. Tyler. So, right. Right. You know, my little Edina polo shirts belonging in the sixties. Right. I'm not quite sure you would have gone over well at a Grateful Dead concert. No, probably not. Probably not. But in my mind, it made sense. Yeah, oh, I was sure. in, I was in active addiction. Kept me a break. <laughs> But, but, you know, I, I don't, I would never just because someone else, what's, what works for someone else. Look at the end of the day, if, if you are happy, yes, if you are like and genuinely happy, um, not like if you yeah. are showing up for the people show up. If you're holding true to your obligations, if yeah. like if if you have found a way to live and be a decent person, yes, it's not for me to judge how you got there. Right. I I might not make the same choices. I might right. not say like just because um, <clears throat> you know, I really like to do coke. Well. As long as I stick to like heroin or something, I'll be fine. Like, right. yeah, that doesn't so, work for you and I. Doesn't work for me. But if right. it works for you, right? Not, no, and I think that's definitely something yeah. you we should definitely address later because yeah. there are people. Um, I think it's called California know, recovery. Right. Yeah, yeah. They they don't take pills, but they'll drink alcohol. They can't have alcohol, but they'll smoke weed, but they're in recovery. So listen, people, what what we're not doing is we're not shaming you. We're not saying your program doesn't work. You can't touch that substance. What we are saying is due to our addictive personalities, this is what works for us. We have to, Tyler and Mm -hmm. I, have to be in full, active, sober, don't touch anything sobriety. Yeah. If it works for you, then work it. Right. It works if you work it like, and as long as you are not hindering anyone else's sobriety, as long as you're not hurting anyone else's sobriety or yourself, by all means, we are not going to stand in the way or tell you that you're wrong. We work our program. And as you heard, Tyler is not one that's, you know, banging on the God's door every day. He's got a different program. Whereas for me, I I choose to start my day with my prayers and my gospels and blah, 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 and all that. So your program of recovery is your program of recovery. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing for me is exactly what you just said, Tyler. And in a different aspect is if I do today, what I did yesterday, Mm -hmm. I'm sure to not drink. Mm -hmm. So 
if we are working our active program, no matter how yeah. you work it, what are things that you do day to day to stay sober? Meditation, readings, talk to your sponsor, talk to me about sponsorship. Do you yeah. work out? You know, what are some of those things that you do to stay sober one day at a time? Yeah. Um, I think the the pandemic definitely threw a little bit of a wrench in yeah. routines and that was you hard to navigate. Sure did. Um I'll pause. I'll answer that. I want to answer your previous question about spirituality and higher power real yeah. quick. Um, yeah. Cause I realized I went off as I usually do on tangents and I never <laughs> actually okay. answered your question. That's um, okay. so, so for me, it, it was, I went to church, but it wasn't, it's my higher power isn't God. Yes. I had a realization and it was in treatment um, that there are things that happen every day that I, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I will never have control over. And it's as simple as the sun coming up. Yeah. No matter what you do, you cannot control the sunrise. You no. cannot control what temperature it's going to be outside. Yeah, and, and it was that realization of, because up until that point, you know, people, it was like I was able to manipulate, oh, right? And control people. But then when you you take it back to something simple and it's like, okay, all right. I might not be as powerful as I thought. Like, it was that simple realization that there are, there are things and forces, and they don't have to be, like, religious-based or necessarily spiritual, yeah. but things that you just you might think you're the shit yeah but you can't control <laughs> and that was that was very humbling like for me that was very humbling yeah. it's like oh okay so that's what i kind of turned to for me is realizing that there's a lot and that's helped me a lot too with the sense of when life feels out of control like being able to kind of not let that eat away at me too it's like you know what one of those things and yeah. let's focus on what i can have a say over yeah. um and let the rest go so um day to day i think for me self-care is something that i make sure to do every day even if it's just like at the end of a day flipping on the tv or scrolling through TikTok for an hour before going to bed. Like, or annoying just your like, poor wife to make a video with you. Well, that's why she goes to bed earlier than I do, so that I don't end up annoying her. But yes. Um, <laughs> but that's self-care, and I think that gets – we live in a, in a culture, in a world that um, I think it's gotten better, but um, – undervalues the importance of self-care because we're very much like time is money like yes. you, you always have to be doing something you always have to be getting better you always have because if you sit around someone else is going to pass you right, right. Um, so heaven forbid you need to take a few days and just like turn off phones and yes. turn off communications and go somewhere where like no one could reach you even if they wanted and just yep. like take a few a day or two to just like recenter um even if that yeah. means turning off everything and going and taking a nap right like I'm listen to what you. you need 
Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's so important though. And I mean, and that's okay. Cause I've learned that if I am not in the right place, like with myself, when I look in a mirror, I can't be the best. I can't show up as the best husband that I could be. Yeah. I can't show up as the best father that I could be. I'm not going to be the best at my job that I could be. If I'm not in a good headspace, I can't show up for other people. Yeah. So it might seem selfish at times that it's like, hey, Anna, I know that we've got a list of things that we have to figure out and talk about. Right now, I need just like an hour. Yeah. And that's something I have finally started exercising. Yeah. Um, my husband has um, MS and PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also, he was single for a very long time prior to meeting me. Um, and so for him, when he has a thought, he's like, mm-hmm. gotta tell you no, and I gotta tell you everything about it. And here's my list and here's everything I want to do. I'm like, whoa. We have to <laughs> like, solve all the world's problems yesterday. Right. Yes. And <laughs> I understand that about him now. I, I yeah. finally, it's starting to click a little bit, but now mm-hmm. I'm able to say, listen, I need an hour on the Peloton. Right. I need to do some reading. I need to record my podcast. There's like, yeah. I'm finally able to set boundaries with him yep. and setting boundaries with him is helping me set boundaries with other things too, mm-hmm. which is that self care, man. It's really, yeah. I'm able to finally soak it all in, which is, which is yeah. really, really nice. And one thing that you do for yourself. So your self care is you play softball. I do. I do. 10 so years tell me now. about that. I'm curious. Yeah. So um, St. Paul and it's grown. It's so cool to see. It's grown a lot over the last year. So I'm in my 10th season. I'm the old guy now at uh, Friday <laughs> nights and I feel awesome. it. Trust me. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a league that started um, through kind of the St. Paul sober kind of fellowship. Um, okay. It was real small at first. It was maybe four or six teams and they That's still a good number to start out with. It's still, yeah. I mean you think about the size of the community that St. Paul has though. Right. Um and it was a lot of like, you know, the meeting over here would like pull a team together and uh Sober House over here would pull a team together and then they would play. Um and everyone knew everybody else from. So it was it started off as just kind of something to do, a safe place to go. It's Friday nights and that's for a reason. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> it really started off as like, hey, look, here's the deal. Like all these newbies in recovery that like wind up in Minnesota. Half of you didn't even know where Minnesota was on a map before you got here. And now you're living here and trying to be sober. Like if you want <laughs> some place to go. teams are horrible, so you don't have anything ex- to do anyway. Exactly. You're not missing much there. No. Um, the wolves are going to be leaving us anyways. So. <laughs> And the stars Fine. left, so what's and left? And the stars, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we all saw the Vikings game last Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I'm really tired of the wide left and wide right, quite oh, honestly. Jeez, oh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you want some place to go, full of fellowship, safe place, you know, and, and if nothing more, a place to kill a few hours so that you don't go out on a Friday night and go somewhere that you shouldn't go, around people that will make sure that like you're okay and make sure you get home. Okay. Come play ball. Um, yeah. And it's grown a lot. Now the league, I want to say we have three divisions. Now we have a rec division, minor and a major division. Um, 
I think last time I counted, there's probably 35 teams now. Oh my God, you guys. Yeah, it's huge now. Uh, my That's buddy, awesome. Yeah, my buddy Blake is the commissioner of it. Um, and he, yeah, spends a lot of time. He's been... He's been in softball world for probably 35, 40 years, so he loves seeing it grow. Uh, but it's great. No, and we, we send sober teams down to national tournaments in Vegas and Florida, and they usually what? win. They usually win. Well, yeah. Well, we are from Minnesota, so. So, well, I think it helps that everyone else shows up with coolers full of beer, and by the end of the tournament, they're all kind of seeing three balls coming at them, and yeah. we're all sober as a whistle, ready to rock and roll. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I wonder, would your commissioner ever be willing to come on and talk about the oh, program? Oh, he'd love it. Yeah, oh, 100%. That'd be, how awesome would that be? I, I would love to because I, I yeah. mean, not that I've been in Minnesota for eight years, but I am assuming back home, St. Paul, Minneapolis, large area, mm-hmm. um, obviously the pandemic's a huge issue. And you're right, Friday nights, you know, we're starting to go back out. We're starting to do things. And I think there's probably not much knowledge of safe places at this time yeah. to go for people. Yeah. And we, we met, um, we did not play. We played a little, we got about a half season in last year and then we felt like it, things ramped up with COVID and it just wasn't safe to have everyone coming out because, you know, the players come out, families come out, they bring their kids, their dogs. I mean, there's a ton of people that show up every week. That's so um, cool. Yeah. And Blake, Blake last year decided at one point, like, it's just, it's not, it's just not safe for all. Well, you gotta to be, be, you do have to be here. safe. I mean, there is yeah. that. Yeah. So that so, was a smart decision, but I bet you were back. Yeah. Glad to be back this year. This year we met again and said, all right, what's everyone thinking? Um, and yeah, I mean, People can have thoughts and feelings about the decision, but we we did decide that everyone that wanted to play kind of understood kind of the risk. Um, And if, if you wanted to, you know, sit out, that's totally fine. If you wanted to play, just everyone kind of understood what you were signing up for that. Absolutely. It's hard to social distance in a dugout. It is. You know, um, so, but no, we're out there playing and, and it's awesome. great. That's great. Where do you guys play on Friday nights? So, uh, out in Maplewood. Okay. A couple fields. So off of like 94 and White Bear. Uh, we were at Goodrich Park. Now we're at Pioneer Park in Little Canada and McKnight Field. Awesome. So, yeah. All right. Well, you guys heard it. They have options for you. And even if you don't like softball, you can go and commune with Come some on friends on yeah. Friday night. Yeah, we had a tournament a couple weeks ago. There was a DJ and uh, food and what? bouncy house. and oh, yeah. I love bouncy houses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we love that's, it. That's so cool. Well, next time I'm home, I'm definitely, well, it won't be obviously for a while now, but when I'm home and if you guys are playing, that would be a lot of fun. So. All summer and we got fall ball, so next time you're in town. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. It's 90 degrees here today, so. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, when you uh, say fall ball, I go, oh. Yeah. But, 65 and uh, slight breeze out there. Oh, yeah. I really Perfect. miss home sometimes. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you, Tyler, for taking time to talk to me. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy this, and I hope I that it. people can see a couple of different aspects. And I think it's important that people understand there are different journeys to sobriety. 
And I think we're going to have Tyler back on, guys. I think this is something that we have good um, vibes. And I think I've got a lot to learn from you yet because it sounds like your adventures are are definitely something I need to know about. (laughs) We're just scratching the surface. I'm an open book. Absolutely. All right. Well, and Tyler is on TikTok. His Instagram is private. I will put his funny TikTok little address up on our website and we will definitely see you guys next week tyler thank you again for your time thank you love it and we look forward to seeing you later bye Sounds guys good thanks bye thank you so much for hanging out with us on this episode of a sober girls podcast i hope help you on your road through recovery, or if anything, help you understand that if you are not active in recovery, but want to be, that you are not alone. We are here for you. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss another episode. Also, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a sober girls pod and online for show notes and other information about sobriety at a sobergirlspodcast.podbean.com. I hope that you have a great rest of your week, and until next time, fam, be well.